Hey, what's up, everybody? This is your boy, Dr. O, with another episode of The Finance Doctor. Today, I want to talk to you about leaving a solid legacy. Think to yourself, how will I be remembered or will I be forgotten? Think about that for a second. So, I always like to start out with giving a couple of definitions. So, we have a little solid foundation. We have a little baseline to go off of. So, what is a legacy? By definition, a legacy is an amount of money or property left to someone in a will. Now, we're going to talk about a few of those terms later on in this podcast. However, we'll take it one step further. An amount of money, property, knowledge, and if you're taking notes, make sure you underline knowledge or memories left to someone. Yes, memories as well. Underline that word as well, because we want to look at what a legacy truly means to you and how you can secure a legacy and how you can leave something for your loved ones and anybody that comes into contact with you to remember you by. So personally, I like to make a lasting impact. I like to make a lasting impression. Anybody who's ever crossed my path, most people can say they'll never forget me because I'm going to do something that's going to force you to remember my personality, whether it's cracking a joke or doing something kind, you know, something as small as opening the door for a person that's coming in behind me or saying thank you and please, you know, the little things, things that you'll remember, hey, that guy actually held the door for me when no one else would. It's raining outside, that guy let me use his umbrella while he was getting soaking wet. You know, these are the things that allow people to remember your personality. So let's dive a little bit deeper. How many people listening today can say that they met Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.? I'll wait for that answer. Most of you, probably not. But how many people listening can say that they've seen and or benefited from the legacy that Dr. King left behind after he was gone? Even though he was here several years ago, he was here before a lot of us were even thought of and before a lot of us were even on this planet. But we're benefiting and we're able to see the legacy that he has left behind. So there are a couple of things that I will touch on Um, and, and talk to you about how you can leave a legacy behind once you're gone from this earth, once you transition into the next phase of your life. So for the men that's listening, you could have a bunch of sons that's going to carry on your last name. Nah, I'm just kidding. But seriously, the first thing you can do is create a solid estate. And we'll talk about what an estate is, what an estate looks like, and how you can establish that and make sure that it's solid and it's foolproof. And number two, create a charitable cause create or donate to a charitable cause so let's take a little bit a little deeper dive into that so get your pens and your paper ready because we're going to take plenty of notes today we're going to talk about leaving that legacy and how you can do it and i'm going to give you a little homework at the end here so creating an estate so here's a new vocabulary word so write it down e-s-t-a-t-e estate so what is an estate An estate is all the money and property owned by a particular person, especially at death. So here's some synonyms for that word, some similar words for the word estate. So you have wealth, riches, fortune. And I know some of you are thinking, oh my gosh, I don't have any of that. I don't have any wealth. I don't have any riches. I don't have any fortune. So let me break it down a little further because I like to do research And I like to go and look at the thesaurus and the dictionary and get definitions, synonyms, antonyms, because 
I want to break this thing all the way down. So here are a few more synonyms for those that don't think they have anything or that they don't have an estate, they don't have wealth, riches, or fortune. Here are a few more synonyms that might hit home to you. Possessions, belongings, stuff. Yes, that's right. Stuff is one of the synonyms of estate and your goods. So basically anything that you own can be considered part of your estate. Anything that you own, not borrow. So why would I even need to think about an estate, Dr. O? I'm so glad you guys ask such good questions every time I'm on here. So everyone has an estate. Literally, everyone has an estate. So we need to be good stewards of those estates while we're living so that once we're gone, those behind us can inherit a solid estate. Those behind us can get a solid estate and, and not have to worry about going in and out of court. They don't have to fight the city, the state, the IRS, the feds for what's yours, what you worked so hard for. So again, I will reiterate this over and over and over. Everyone has an estate. You have something that belongs to you, something you can leave behind, whether it's a piece of paper, whether it's a, a clothespin that's been handed down from generation to generation, that's part of your estate. No matter how small or how big it is, it's part of your estate. And proper planning is critical when you are here so that when you're gone, your loved ones have one less thing to worry about. So when we're thinking about establishing a solid estate, where do we start? Another good question, guys. Go to a law office. That's where we're going to start. We're going to go to a law office. We're going to talk to a lawyer, a legal professional of some, some capacity. We're going to go talk to him. Why? Because it is a legally binding document. A will is a legally binding document that states everything that you have, anything that you want to leave behind, what you want done with your body, where your kids will be, anything that's going to happen after death. And you have to really think about this stuff because you would be surprised what happens when people die. You would be surprised how emotional people get. You'll be surprised how erratic people get. You'll be surprised how siblings and husbands and wives and cousins and aunts and uncles start fighting over your stuff when you're gone. But creating that will will prevent a lot of those fights. Creating that will will prevent a lot of your estate. There's that word again. It will, it will prevent your estate from going to the state. It will prevent your estate from going to the courts. And then the courts having to decide what to do with your stuff. And I don't know about a lot of you, but I don't trust the courts to make a decision in my favor ever. I just don't. So technically, what is a, a will? By definition, it is a document, a legal document that states what will happen once you're dead, once you're gone. Not to sound you know morbid or anything, but it, it's, it's a document that's going to state what happens with your estate. What happens with everything that belongs to you, including your spouse and your kids, once you're gone? So what should it include? Here are a few key items that it should include. And I hope you guys are taking really good notes because, again, I'm going to break this all the way down. And I implore you to go do your research once we're done here. Go check, you know, go check the facts. Check what I'm saying. Make sure that what I'm saying is true because I know it is, but I want you to know that it is. So at a minimum, you should have all your tangible items within your will. So if you have a car, you have a house, you have bank accounts, etc., etc., anything tangible, jewelry, especially things of value, you want to make sure you mention it in your will. What happens to it when you're gone? Who gets it? If it's your oldest, you know, your oldest um, child, you need to say that. Say my oldest child and call him by name 
because you know some of us do have some children that we don't know about so you don't want them coming out of the woodwork saying hey i'm the oldest so i want that chain that you had i want that car because you said the oldest but you didn't specify who that was so be as specific as you can be when you're putting that will into place and this is at a minimum you should have anything that's tangible that you own so another thing that should be be included is where you want to be buried some people are very particular about that personally i don't care i told them put me in a box and throw me in the ground somewhere i don't i don't really care i don't need a headstone i don't need any of that i'm gone i don't i can't see any of that stuff so i don't really care but some people care about that you know especially if you have a family cemetery where most of your family your aunts uncles grandparents great grands were all buried then that's you know that whole sentimental value to people so they want to be buried there so make sure you call that out in your will as well number three who receives what again you do not want your family members going in and out of court after you're gone to fight for your stuff it happens every day i sat through my my name starts with an o my last name starts with an o so anytime i go to civil court for any reason i have to sit there whether it's even for a traffic ticket i have to sit and i have to listen to literally everybody's case and it's it's some are amusing but it's it's quite alarming because you'll sit and see people really fighting over hey dad wanted to leave me the car oh no he left me the car and it's it's a back and forth thing you know and the car might not even be an exotic car it might be a thirty thousand dollar car but they're in court fighting over it spending way more than that because no one left the will in place no one put the will in place that says who gets what when they get it what are the stipulations that they have around that so that they can stay out of court fighting and number four where can all your belongings be found so i'll tell you a little story about you know my father we had to sit him down because we say you know we have to realize if we're if we're preaching this we have to practice it we have to realize okay as much as i'm talking to people about establishing estates getting a will in place i i realized i didn't know my parents estate i didn't know anything about what they own where to find it you know, and if anything happened, God forbid, today, I don't know where to find their stuff. You know, I don't know where to look. I don't know everything that they own. I know a few things, but what do we need to do? So we sat him down on probably a two, three hour phone call, conference call, and just asked him, hey, where is everything? We're going to take notes and we're going to make sure that we have any key contacts that you have. If you have an attorney where, you, where we can find your will, an executor, anybody, we need to know where we need to look who we need to talk to and whatever what all we need to be looking for um and he told us kind of a funny story about you know hey i have certain things hidden here and there and we're like what you know why not tell us what it is and why not tell us where to look instead of us having to tear through things to find the stuff that he told us to look for but the point is we sat him down we had the conversation it's a very tough conversation to have but it has to be had because you talk about leaving a legacy you don't want your legacy to be, oh, he left us in debt. Oh, we couldn't put him in the ground because we had no clue that he was this far in debt. We had no clue that he didn't have any life insurance, which we'll talk about in a second. We had no clue that, you know, he didn't have enough money for us to bury him. And we'll also talk about that in a second as well. So let's take this one step further. These two things should be done, in my opinion, simultaneously. So you get a will in place, but you also need life insurance. And I know, I know, no one wants to talk about when it's time to leave this earth. No one wants to talk about that, but it's a conversation that has to be had. You know, I don't want to think about the fact that one day I may be without my parents, but we had to have that conversation and vice versa. 
you know, I sat down and I talked to the person that's going to handle my estate when I'm gone. And I told him, hey, this is what I want done. And I outlined it in black and white. So there's no room for interpretation, no questions. This is what we need to do. And this is how we need to do it. Because guess what? When you're gone, you can't have that conversation. I mean, some people believe you can. If you want to go buy a Ouija board and play around with that stuff, then by all means, do you. But most of us want to have that conversation while people are still living so that we can understand and we can make a decision based off of facts and not be basing our decisions on emotions. And I'll say that again. We want to base our decisions on facts rather than looking at or basing our decisions or making decisions on emotions. And when someone is you're putting your your loved one in the ground, you're emotional. So any decisions that you're making at that time are going to be very emotional decisions. Trust me, I've been through it and I've had to be that person that's there to make those decisions because the other person was distraught. They were all over the place. They could, you can tell they were trying to think straight but they really couldn't. So at that point, it wouldn't be a good time to say, "Okay, well, did they have life insurance?" Uh where can we find this, this, and that? No, because everybody's emotional, and you don't want those emotions to boil over and, and, and cause some tension between you and a loved one that you're really trying to be there for. So ask yourself these questions. What type of situation will you leave your family in when you're gone? Are they going to find out, oh, daddy had a, a kid that's out there that I didn't know about? Are they going to find out daddy had this bank account that you didn't know about? Are they going to find out that mom was... $40,000 in debt that we don't have. What are they going to find out? What type of situation will you leave your family in? These are things you have to think about because your family is still going to be here. You might be gone, but your family, somebody, some loved one is still going to be here. And you don't want to leave them in a financial bind. You don't want to leave them wondering, okay, how are we going to make ends meet? How are we going to make, you know, how are we going to get by? How are we going to get our next meal? Where is it going to come from? Where are we going to live? Don't leave them in that situation. Next, ask yourself, will they struggle without your income? These are things you have to think about when you're thinking about life insurance. Will they struggle to even bury you? So three questions. What type of situation will you leave your family in when you're gone? Will they struggle without your income? And will they struggle to even put you in the ground? So by now, I know you're saying, okay, okay, doctor, I get it. You have my attention. So what now? What do I do now? What's next? Don't worry about it. I got you. So here's what we're going to do. Here's how to determine how much life insurance is enough for you. First and foremost, stop looking at everybody else's situation because I know some people, some of you out there listening are like, well, Julie has a, a million dollar life insurance policy, so I want one. Do you really need that, though? Maybe, maybe not. Maybe you want your family to have a standard of living that you were never able to establish. But at the same time, is it going to be affordable for you? So you have to look at your situation. Make sure it's unique. Make sure whatever you're doing or whatever life insurance policy you're looking at is unique to your situation. Don't go looking at everybody else or looking at this nonsense you see on the first 48 or on, on law and order about these people having $5 million life insurance policies. If you weren't living that, that if you didn't have that ma maintain that standard of living, don't try to do it after you're gone. You know, just get by and make sure that you're main, they can maintain that stand, same standard of living once you're gone. So get your pens and paper ready. If you didn't already have it, I'm about to give you some real tips here. This is some real info that you don't want to miss out on. So number one, ask yourself, do I have children or is someone else that depends on me? 
If the answer is yes, these next steps are for you. So number one, write this down. My current annual net income, so that's your take home pay. So we learned a new term there too, if you didn't know that. And excuse me if I'm insulting anyone's intelligence, but net income, business term, take home pay, same thing. So write down your annual take home pay. So usually I'll try to write it down as my current, because I, I want to make things personal. So I say my current annual take home pay is blank. Write it down and make it plain. And make sure when you're done with this list, get a clean sheet of paper when you're doing this list. And make sure when you're done, you post it somewhere where you can look at it all the time. So you understand because it might need to be updated every five, 10 years or as you're getting more money, as you're getting raises, as you're getting promotions, it might need to be updated. So you want to put it somewhere where you can always think about it. And it's always in the back of your mind or the front of your mind, as I like to say. So number two, my annual income times 10 is blank. Now, I know some of you are like, whoa, why did he use the number 10? So a good rule of thumb most life insurance agents will tell you that's a good rule of thumb is that you want to make sure that your family, especially if you're the primary breadwinner, your family can maintain that same standard of living once you are gone for the next 10 years. So if we're living in a, you know, a five bedroom house and I only give them, you know, one year's worth of my salary, they probably won't be in that five bedroom house too much longer. But if I'm giving them a buffer, hey, here's 10 years worth of my salary. So now the house expenses can be taken care of as though I never left. Yes, you're going to miss the physical me being there, but I'm still going to provide for my family. I'm still going to make sure that my family is good for the next 10 years. Now, you can do more than that if you want. This, the 10-year thing is just a baseline. It is a, you know, what we call the bare minimum. I, have, I personally have done 10 years, but you might choose to do 20. And that's, you know, again, you have to make this, unique to your situation if you feel like hey my kids are infants and they're not going to be out of the house for another 18 to 20 years then yeah you might want to consider doing you know doing a multiple of 20 so take your annual income and multiply it times 10 and write that number down too so again i like to make it plain and i say my annual income times 10 is blank write it down in the next blank underneath the first one so now you have numbers one and two so number three, and I'm going to kind of give you this one, but I still want you to do your research. Through my research, it will cost my family blank to bury or cremate me. Trust me, the last thing you want to do is be a burden on your family after you're gone. They're already stressed enough. They're stressed because you're gone. They're emotional. They're probably crying every night. They're stressed because you're gone, especially if you've done everything that you're supposed to do and you you're securing a good legacy people are going to miss you so the last thing they want to have to worry about is oh my gosh we not only missed this guy now we're in a financial bind how do we put this guy in the ground because unfortunately they can't stuff you and put you in the house so you can't stay there you got to be put in the ground or or cremated and they have to dispose of the body in some way so you want to make sure that you're doing your research Typically, when I the research I've done shows that at a bare minimum, you're looking at about $11,000 to put someone in the ground. I saw it's a lot cheaper to cremate, so I, I think I've updated my will to, I'll say, you know, just cremate me because it, do whatever is cheaper at the time. But through my research, I found that you will pay for everything. You're going to pay for a headstone. If you want flowers, they're going to ask, they'll ask you at the funeral home, hey, you want to put flowers on the grave? 
You say, yeah, they're like, oh, that's another 200. You're like, whoa, $200 flowers. But if you're doing your research, you know, it's a, it's a little less of an emotional hit. It's a little less of a financial hit as well because you've done your research. Now you know, you understand, hey, this is what it's going to cost me to put this person in the ground because they wanted flowers every every month. They want fresh flowers. So now we've budgeted for that. And we know, hey, we can get them fresh flowers without really having to stress about that portion of them dying. We can get what we need. And we did the we took the proactive steps to get there. So next, the next bullet point, we want to look at the debt that I owe is blank. Please, people, don't leave your family in debt. I get it. You were in debt. You know, your parents might have been in debt. Your grandparents might have been in debt. But break the chain. Break the cycle. You know, figure out how much debt you owe and factor that into whatever life insurance policy, whatever will that you have, whatever estate that you have. Factor that in because you don't want to leave them in debt as well. You know, you want to be able to leave them with a clean slate. Break that cycle. You know, break that, you know, get away from that. Because if we stay in that, then they're going to be in debt. Then the next generation is going to be in debt. And now it looks like a generational curse because everybody in your family is in debt. Nobody in your family can get out of debt now because you didn't plan, properly plan an estate. You didn't set them up for success. You set them up for failure by not looking at all the factors that go into your lifestyle, all the factors that are going into your legacy, all the factors that are going into your estate and your will when you're gone. You have to look at each factor. So number four is the debt that I owe is blank. Write it down. Don't be ashamed. And that's what what happens when I talk to a lot of people. They're like, well, I'm ashamed. I don't want to show you my finances. And I can assure you, it's not the worst that I've seen. Plus, I'm not going to see any of this. You know, you're writing this down at home or at work or wherever you're listening. Write it down. This is for you. This is personal. If you got to put it under your pillow every night, do it. Do whatever's going to help you to make that change, whatever's going to help you to make the decision to leave a solid legacy, to make sure that you are not leaving your family in a worse situation than they were in when you were here. You want to leave them in a better situation. That's what securing a legacy is all about, leaving people behind you in a better situation than when they came into your life or when you came into their lives. So lastly, you know, you're probably wondering, OK, well, why do you have me write all these numbers down? So what I want you to do is add your what you wrote down for your annual income times 10. So number two, plus the cost to bury or cremate you, which was number three, plus the debt that you owe, which was number four. This amount is the amount of life insurance that you should have. So in the event that you got to a million dollars in, okay, go out there and, and price the life insurance policies. Don't just listen to the first person that talks to you. Go out there and talk to several different life insurance agents. Talk to them. Ask them, hey, what is, you know, I, I would like a, a life insurance policy, which I won't get too deeply into today. I would like a life insurance policy, and this is the face value Write that down as well so you know you, you they can tell that you've done your research and they're not going to try to get over on you. Nothing against my insurance agents, but, you know, some will. Some will say, oh, they don't know what they're talking about, so I'm going to sell them the world. And they have no clue. But if you go in there and use terminology that shows that you've done a little research or that someone has schooled you, then it's less likely that they're going to try to BS you and they're going to give you the facts. They're going to tell you what you need, what you can afford. And, you know, you say, well, this is this is what I've calculated that I need. I need something that's affordable, though. Show me what's the most affordable option and how do I get into that option? So 
taking a little shift when we talk about securing and leaving a legacy one of the things that i i love is charitable giving i love it you know i love putting smiles on people's faces and a lot of times i'll do it anonymously you know sometimes it's unavoidable so i'll give a donation and then next thing i know i'm getting a card in the mail or i'm getting a card from the school or someone's calling it out and i'm like hey i did that anonymously i didn't really want to you know i didn't want everyone to know that i did that but at the same time i just like to watch how joyous people get when they're like oh wow someone really cared to give us this someone that doesn't know us someone that's you know basically a ghost is giving us something that we really needed something that we wanted and they're not asking for anything in return so when I'm gone, I know that I want part of my legacy to be that, hey, this guy really loves to give. This guy really loves to sow into young people's lives. This guy really loves to put a smile on somebody's face, even if it's something so small, something small. You know, a kid might not have socks to wear to school. Give him a pack of socks and that might mean the world to them. It's just small things that can make a big difference that can secure a legacy for you that people will remember you by, which is why I went beyond just saying that a legacy is money and, and tangible things. It's a thought. You know, it's, it's things that are left behind. It's a smile that you left on someone's face after you're gone because every time they think about you, it just brings them so much joy because you've secured this solid legacy. You've left things behind. You've left golden nuggets and breadcrumbs behind where people will never forget you. So I always ask people, doesn't it feel good to just give? You know, for me, it certainly does. And one thing people will remember is how selfless I am. That's one thing people will remember. You know, um, they're going to remember me as this, a, a gentleman that, that doesn't mind giving unto others and, and doing those things without any, you know, without fretting, without wondering what i'm going to get in return so how does this apply to you now that i've given you a little bit about myself how does this apply to you so one thing you can do is to find a cause that brings you joy find a charity that brings you joy so it could be orphans it could be the elderly it could be children with disabilities or certain churches that you follow etc etc there's literally causes for almost anything that could bring a smile to your face. There's so many different charities. There's so many different causes that you can contribute to that you can go out there and and make sure that, hey, I love this about X, Y, Z. So I'm going to give my money. I'm going to give my time. I'm going to give my presence. I'm going to give my talents to this cause because it's something that's really passionate to me. Find that and donate often. And I'm not just talking about money because money to some people means nothing. If you're giving a bunch of money and they never see you, it means nothing. However, they might need your presence. You know, donating your time, donating yourself, saying, hey, I'm going to go down here once a month, once a quarter, once a week, every other day, whatever you want to do. I'm going to go down here and I'm going to volunteer and I'm going to show my face and show these kids that or whomever, the, the elderly that there is hope. There is somebody that cares about them outside of their family. Somebody that doesn't even know them cares enough about them to come by and visit them. And this doesn't have to stop when you're gone. So we talked about a will earlier. We talked about life insurance. This stuff can also be written into your policies. This could be written into your will. This could be written into your life insurance value. If I say, hey, in my will, hey, once I'm gone, I want to give the United Way $100,000. It's easy for me to say, 
in that calculation that we did earlier, this is what I want to also include in my life insurance policy so that when I'm gone, that $100,000 will be there. That $100,000 is going to go to the United Way. And now my charitable giving has continued after I'm gone. My charitable giving, even if it's a lump sum, my charitable giving, I'm gone. And now I've, I've secured that legacy. I've given to a cause that I'm passionate about. I've given to people that are going to remember that for the rest of their lives. Because even after death, they know, okay, this guy really cared about us enough to leave us an inheritance, if you will. And he cared. So the second thing you can do is to start a new cause. A lot of people don't realize how easy it is to open a business. They don't realize how easy it is to start a nonprofit. Literally, anybody can start a nonprofit if you got enough money and you get a lawyer, you go to LegalZoom, as a lot of people do, and you can start a nonprofit. The key piece comes when you want to get that 501c3 status that a lot of you have probably heard of. And all that means is that the nonprofit organization has been recognized by the IRS as being tax exempt. It's an added benefit because most people, when they want to contribute to and when, when they want to donate to a charity, they want to see something in return, unfortunately. And the IRS gives a, ta a tax break for it. And they say, OK, you're donating to charity. We'll give you a tax break for that. So by having that tax exempt status, more people are going to be willing to give to your charity, to give to your cause and to support you financially in your cause, whatever that cause may be. So those two things are find a cause that brings you joy or brings joy into your life and or start a new cause. Because these are the charitable donations and contributions that are going to be around long after you're gone if you secure that legacy like you should. If you do your homework, if you do the things that you need to do while you are living, then those things will take care of themselves once you're gone. Because you've done your homework and you've laid the groundwork for this legacy to continue after you're gone. So... I hope you guys are taking some good notes because I dropped a, a, a lot of nuggets, a lot of golden nuggets. So ask yourself, ask yourself after you've listened to this, ask yourself, how do I want to be remembered? Think about it. Think about it within yourself. How do I want to be remembered or will I be forgotten completely? Will people even know who I am? Will people outside of my circle know who I am and what I've done in my life? If the answer is no, possibly consider doing more possibly consider going and volunteering possibly consider getting your will in place and and reaching outside of your immediate family or your immediate friends and your immediate circle reaching outside of them and making impacts in other people's lives make that impact starting today today don't don't procrastinate don't delay don't wait start today you know it's never too late or too early to start get on it today Start making an impact. Find things you're passionate about. Take care of your family first. Then start to branch out and look for things that you're passionate about and others that you can help as well. Lastly, don't allow all that hard work that you've done throughout your life to go to waste. Do not allow it. A lot of you have worked so hard throughout your lives and a lot of people die or, you know, they transition. People don't like the word die. So a lot of people transition after working hard their whole lives and their family ends up in a mess when they're gone because they did not take those necessary steps. They didn't secure a legacy or they've worked hard and, and people are glad that they're gone. Don't be that person. Don't be that person. Be that person where people miss you, but they're like, all right, 
he took care of business so we're still we're at least financially we're good you know and that's home and away from home we're good financially because he laid the ground he or she excuse me laid the groundwork and took care of us so that when they're gone we're good yes we miss them but we're good we're, we're stable we're okay for the next several years that's it for this episode of the finance doctor only on the two smart network you can catch me on instagram at dr clement o that's d-r-c-l-e-m-e-n-t-o peace out everybody until next time